Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the Old Town Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with this week, Chad Jennings from The Athletic and Lars Anderson. Um, wow, a lot has changed in a week, obviously, and we're going to get into all of that. We'll talk about the coronavirus, um, we'll talk about its effect on the Red Sox, on spring training, and all of that. Uh, we're going to continue to do these podcasts um, between now and when baseball comes back at some point in 2020. So stay with us over the next coming weeks. We're going to have some guests on the podcast. We'll do things to keep it fun and to give you something to listen to, whether you're working from home or on your way to work. And, and hopefully you don't have to do too much of that. You can listen to us in the car as you always would. But you can save 40% on a subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash wicked pod and feel free to give us a, a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen as well. All right. First up, Lars, Chad, I guess, how are you guys doing? I'm in New York City and I've been in um, my apartment basically since Thursday because I'm battling a cough and I figured, you know what, better to be safe. So I'm just kind of hanging out in the apartment. Um, how are you guys doing first, Chad, up up in New England? How are things? Oh, not bad. My, my son turned three yesterday. So uh, we have canceled a birthday party and <laughs> we are uh we are social distancing while celebrating yeah. a birthday um so that's i mean it's been fine it's just uh but yeah it's kind of just now beginning you know this new norm my wife and i are trying to figure out how to split working from home while taking care of two kids and uh but i think everybody here generally feels okay so that's good yeah, we take the dog across the street into the little park and stay away from people and then bring them right back in pretty much at this point. But, um, you know, it's it, you said it, the new norm, and, and we're all going to get through this and get back to the, the old norm eventually. Lars, you're in L.A., obviously, and, and like New York, that's the uh, the big, big city. Um, how's everything been there? I, maybe traffic's better. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I thought the socially responsible thing to do is go camping, so... Uh, my girlfriend and I went camping this weekend and it was like the easiest ever been to get in and out of, um, LA. So I guess that's like the one upside for me, but I think being in LA is, uh, just, yeah, being a major city and being on the West coast, I I think there's a kind of a sense of waiting for this thing to really happen here. It hasn't been too bad here. So I, I think there's like this kind of nervous anticipation, um, that probably most of the country is feeling, I think it's, uh, it definitely feels heightened here just because of where we are and how big and congested the city is. But yeah, it's strange, man. Like my, my college classes are switching to uh, online um, this week. Um, it's just totally different. Um, I think my life is a little bit less affected than others. So um, yeah, it's interesting talking to people and just hearing hearing how different the day-to-day experience is. It's just the the world has changed in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and it, you said it. It's changed a lot for a lot more for other people, I think, than me as well. Um, the one kind of blessing of of working at the athletic is it's very easy for a lot of us to 
work from home. Um, and that's been an easy thing for me to adjust to. And we are kind of mandatory working from home now uh, across the company. And obviously, Chad, the reporters, it, it kind of slowly rolled out as far as what you guys would be able to do and, and wouldn't be able to do. But at this point, um, you know, you're, you're covering a baseball team, but you're doing it from home. You're, you're not going to be traveling at all, right, until, um, until we're back to baseball and things have kind of cleared up. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it really, it's hard to tell, you know. I mean, state of Massachusetts kind of shut down everything for the next three weeks. Um, so I don't anticipate going back down to Florida anytime soon. Um, but even, you know, whenever they do start playing baseball again, I don't even know what that's going to look like, you know. I mean, are we going to have a some version of a grapefruit league down there? Is there going to – I I don't know. So uh, I, I expect at some point before – there are regular season games. Jen and I will be traveling again down to Florida for some sort of workouts. Um, but yeah, for right now, it's just sitting at home and it's so much different from sitting at home during the off season. You know, this is, you know, in the off season, you can do a lot of, you know, looking at the market and what, what, what might a team do and all that. But this is just kind of at a standstill. So everyone's just trying to come up with, you know, ideas of things to write and trying to be a little bit smart about this and uh, try to provide, some sort of information when we have it digging into those spring training box scores, right? <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> perfect huh it's it's really interesting that you, you put it like that i was listening to um sam harris's podcast and he had a epidemiologist on and I, I his name escapes me but he was kind of saying like you know i think a lot of people i think it's changed now this is you know a handful of days ago but he's like I think a lot of people are expecting this to be a blizzard and this is not a blizzard. This is kind of a winter. This is going to be like a coronavirus season. And what you're describing just sounds like a, you know, what you would do in the winter time, you know, kind of like hanging out, catching up on, you know, stuff shuffling around the house. And I think that's, that was a sobering thing for me to hear because it's, it it is different than like, Oh, just, you know, just go back to normal in a few days. Like, I don't don't think that's going to be the case, obviously. Yeah. As you go forward here, obviously you were down there and what was the, was it surreal? What was the general kind of emotions of it all? Um, no, I wouldn't say surreal. I mean, you know, I got down there for the week, like on Sunday, I guess. And, you know, that's before they'd close the clubhouse access and everything. And that first day, back down there after I'd been home for a week, it was more kind of, uh, I, I, I don't want to say that people were like joking about it, but it was more kind of just, you know, the way you sort of like make small jokes about things to sort of ease mild tension. You know, it, it wasn't like people weren't taking it seriously, but they, we were joking about, you know, do we bump fists? Do we bump elbows? Things like this, you know, reporters talking about it, players talking about it. You know, one player had talked about the that they'd been the they'd been given a presentation the day before about the signs of COVID nineteen and one of them was muscle soreness and he was like I must have had this stuff for ten years um, <laughs> you know it was so it was that sort of stuff you know it was still sort of light everyone kind of it was starting to feel serious but it was still light and then as it's as it evolved so quickly in the next few days it was more of a it it was only awkward in that absolutely no one knew what was next you know it was like you know, we didn't know how to talk to players. We didn't know. Then, then you're talking about like, okay, well, are we gonna? How much longer is this gonna continue? And then the NBA stuff started happening. It, it was more just of a feeling of the the tip of the iceberg. You know, I think that sort of it felt like that the whole time of like, okay, if this is where we are now, where are we gonna be in a week? I don't know that we thought 
where are we going to be in two days? I don't think we knew it was going to change that drastically and that quickly, but but it was more that just a sense of like, okay, this is starting now, and uh, and and it's it. I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Did you get the idea, or how was your travel back? North travel too? wasn't was it, that. Was you able to get out? Yeah, quick I switched my flight. Um, the athletic was great about telling everybody to kind of go home if you wanted to. You know, there was no pressure to stay. Um, so I try, I pushed my flight up a day and that wasn't difficult. And I was on a relatively full flight, um, which surprised me. Um, but no, it, it wasn't, I didn't find any of that to be overly difficult. Um, but again, this was all last Thursday, I guess. And again, it, 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 I feel like it changed quite a bit Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Before we get into Red Sox specific, just kind of the the newest news of the day that impacts baseball, and that is the CDC on Sunday did recommend no gatherings of 50 or more people for eight weeks. So eight weeks from Sunday would be May 10th. Now, Major League Baseball had originally said um, the early, I guess, April 9th, I think, or April 12th was the day they were kind of hoping earliest possible return. Um, this ruling from the CDC, or not ruling, but recommendation, kind of blows that out of the water, obviously, to have 50 or more people. That's easily done with baseball when you have 26 people on a roster. Um, so that's one thing where kind of changes the dates. And then the other thing was with the Yankees camp and a minor leaguer actually testing positive uh, over the weekend. That was the first for baseball. Obviously, we've seen it in other sports over the last week or so, but that seemed to change things a little bit too. It was a minor leaguer. It hadn't been a major league camp with the Yankees, but it's just one more example of how just one player in there and you wonder about that entire, everyone that was in that locker room, everybody that was around there. Um, so when you think of dates, Chad, and, and May 10th being eight weeks from, from now, I mean, I start to think June is a realistic, early, like best possible scenario for us to be playing real baseball games. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I think. Um, you know, the two-week thing that they initially announced, the two-week suspension, that always seemed, you know, pretty optimistic. Um, and that was even at the time. And then, I mean, I think, you know, like we say, how much everything has changed in the last few days, It's it was like... I mean, we're talking about less than a week ago when they announced the first two weeks of the season suspended, and even then that felt optimistic, and since then I feel like we've gotten so much more information, and, and this thing has become such a, uh, a bigger concern, um, you know, kind of across the country that, I mean, that just seems impossible. And so, you know, even if you assume that public gatherings and things are going to resume sometime in, you know, even if they re- resume in early May, I mean, you're still gonna have to build up again. So yeah, I, I can't imagine the season itself starting until any earlier than June. Yeah. And I could see the season starting without fans too. It could be a, a stage thing where first, all right, we'll get back to playing baseball, but we're going to play without fans for a little while. And then we'll eventually get back to that. Selfishly. I have, uh, I got my mom tickets to, uh, Red Sox Brewers on June 7th, I think, that Saturday. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe that ends up being opening day. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. know. But, um, but holding out hope that I'll actually get to go to that game. But, but we'll see. And, and obviously, um, better to be safe at this point, um, for sure. I mentioned the locker room, the clubhouse. Lars, you've been in there as a player. Um, I mean, how the Yankees as a team were originally sticking together and until major league baseball kind of changed things up a little over the weekend. And they said teams couldn't have structured workouts. They were all going to stay together. The Red Sox were kind of going different directions, but from a player's perspective, can you imagine going through this, something like this? And would you think that you would feel safest 
in a clubhouse where it's only the guys on the team? Or would you feel like, uh-oh, if one of us has this, we're all going to get it? Yeah, and that's kind of the... I, I, that's kind of the way things work. I wouldn't feel super comfortable staying at spring training if I, if I was really concerned about this. Um, and I think this baseball kind of finds itself in a damn if you do, damn if you don't situation because it's recommended to kind of stay put and um, socially distance yourself from you know everything around you. So traveling home is not really ideal, right? And then... Staying in large, you're also not supposed to stay in large groups, which is what you know spring training is or being being at a facility is for baseball. So, and the other thing is, is guys, you know, they go to the facility and then they come home, they go eat or whatever. So there's there is contact with the outside world. You're not totally quarantined. So it's not a, but either either case is not a great situation. I think if I was in that situation, I would probably opt to go home. I feel like although you have to travel, it is once you get home, it's you're kind of more by yourself. Um, and the other thing is, is, is you there, you have to put a lot of faith in, in young adult men to make good decisions. And sometimes that's, you know, that's tenuous in spring training with, you know, with athletes in general, you kind of saw Rudy Gobert, that, that whole thing with him touching the mics and stuff like that. Like there's a sense of invincibility with, with, uh, high level athletes that I think we see over and over again. And, I think I would be a bit concerned staying in spring training, to be honest. Yeah, and I think the message is it's not about it's not about you guys at this point, probably. Yeah. Um, and, and you may feel invincible, but uh, but not everybody else is. So, well, and, and uh, Lars too. I was thinking like the culture is so you know much that we talk about like a high five and things like that. Like it it is. I think people see the game and you see guys standing far far apart during a game, but the the culture within a clubhouse is very close. I mean, you're you're near one another even those those early days last week down in spring training you know when you're not supposed to you're supposed to stand far away and all this stuff that that felt so it was so uh against everything that we've that you think when you're around a a baseball team in a clubhouse or in a in a sort of more casual setting you know there were plenty of guys who just out of habit were you know shaking hands with reporters I shook hands with players because I just you know it's a awkward thing to try to do the social distancing thing within that culture and within the clubhouse. I just don't think that it, it, it couldn't work. I mean, there's no way to socially yeah. distance in that setting. Yeah, totally. And there's, you're also dealing with a, a place where there's uh, a lot can be lost in translation just because people are from all different parts of the world speaking different languages. And, you know, the general message is going to get out and there are translators and stuff, but it's, it, you're right. It's, it's kind of second nature to, to be physical, to high five, to give hugs and, and just you're you're really close. The the uh, it's close quarters there. You know, there's yeah. showers, the locker room, the weight room, the halls. It's just you're, you're near people all the time. So, you know, from what I've read, for the people that are staying, they they're not going to be doing like large like full roster workouts. They're kind of be going to be breaking up into small groups and stagger those groups coming in throughout the day. But it's still a shared space, and it just it. It doesn't seem to be a, a great place for people to be right now. Um, as as a player, you know, it's it's kind of like school. One one person gets sick. I've, I've seen this. You know, colds happen, kind of run through the clubhouse, and it's just mm -hmm. it's there's so much contact, and it's just close quarters. So it's it's not ideal. Yeah, I think the only way to make it make sense is if you 
tested every single person that was going to be involved in there. They all came back clean, and then you basically lock the doors and not right. let anybody out. But that's yeah. that's not what these guys are looking for. They're looking to uh, and I and I get what they're doing. The teams that wanted to stick together, it's a chance to to build some some team and camaraderie, but uh, maybe not the best thing right now. So now they're they're kind of mixed messages. You can go home, you can go to your home city, you can stay at spring training, and that seems to be kind of stressing players out a little bit too about what decision do I make. The other thing right now that has to be stressful, Lars, for players is are we going to end up getting paid? Because now with the Stafford Act Trump invoked this weekend, making this a national emergency kind of situation, Major League Baseball could choose not to play to pay the players um, until the season does begin. For people that don't realize this, Major League Baseball players don't get paid all year round. They get paid when the season starts to when the season ends. And that doesn't even include spring training when they're given a, a nice per diem, but they don't actually get their paycheck. Um, so it, now I don't think that's going to end up happening, but that's going to be stressful for some of these players. Maybe not the guys on, on multi-million dollar deals, Lars, but some of the guys trying to make these rosters to suddenly think, okay, I'm not sure when that first paycheck's coming is, is not great. Yeah, and it, who knows if it will happen, but Manfred did make a point to, to include national emergency in, in the first sentence of his statement um, regarding how Major League Baseball is going forward. And you're right, this is, this is probably not super alarming for you know, the Mike Trouts of the world, but uh, you know, the 25th, 26th guy might be concerned, and even more like just for me personally, thinking about minor leaguers. Um, Spring training, like you said, you don't get paid. Major leaguers get per diem, which is around $100 a day. But minor leaguers get paid like $20, $25 a day for, for meal money during spring training. So it's, it's pretty slim. And then as the season starts, you know, they've a lot of guys need that paycheck. And it's it's going to be tough if the, if the season's delayed for a couple months for a lot, a lot of people, especially minor leaguers. So I'm definitely feeling for those guys. And I hope that I, – I don't, I don't think that – Manfred's decision will uh, affect minor leagues because they're not part of the um, collective bargaining. Uh, maybe you guys know more about that than me, but I think I'm, I'm hoping that at least for, on the major league side, he'll kind of take into account these these circumstances and make a make a human decision. But you never know with um, you know commissioners and stuff these days. It's it is a business, and so it will be be curious to see how he goes forward. Chad, the PR, the PR would be so bad, right, if they held paychecks at this point. I mean, they, there has to be some sort of, even if it's just um, uh, somewhat of a, a percentage or something, they, I would imagine they're going to do something. Yeah, I would think they have to do something right now. I, but, you know, it's also, you know, you talk about the people who are going to be most affected, probably, you know, minor league guys and things like that, and their pay situation has always been, yeah. is, is really uncomfortable and unusual anyway. So I, I don't know. I, I wonder where the... I think there will be some societal pressure to take care of that. But right now I think you're seeing more social pressure on kind of like the, the game day workers at stadiums that aren't going to have as many games to work that on, and particularly on minor league players who, who aren't getting paid anything, you know, don't get paid very much when they do get paid and, uh, and aren't getting anything right now. So yeah, at some point they're going to have to figure out something just, I mean, they're going to be hit with this question over and over and over again. 
If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment as soon as possible. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home even more important right now. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Red Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Red Sox for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, so let's take this uh, more to a, a team level and the Red Sox and what's going on. Chad, I know they took three days, I think, to completely, fully clean Fenway Park. Um, and I'm sure cleaning is going on down at Fenway South as well. Um, but we talked about what other teams have done. From your understanding, what's the Red Sox specific when you think about the roster and where guys are headed? Um, what's the outlook? How many, you know, Is there a decent amount that are going to stick around or are they all heading out? Well, it seems like I think most camps are going to break up for the yep. most part. Um, that just seems like the way everybody's going. Um, at the time, as of Friday, when the the league and the players' association sort of agreed to tell players they had the option of either going home, staying at the facility, or going to the you know for Red Sox players they could go to Boston, um, go to the city of their team. That at the time, I mean, that was all new, you know. So that's the last time we really talked to Red Sox officials about this. But then over the weekend, it started to shift. You know, I think at the time they thought that a lot of guys would stick around. Um, you know, the Yankees, I guess, voted to to kind of all stay, um, but that's that's since ended. So obviously, the situation it, it's just so fluid and it just keeps changing by the day. But no, I, at this point, I would expect it to be to relatively soon become kind of a, a ghost town around JetBlue. So then you think about the the employees down there, the the seasonal people at spring training, the seasonal people up at Fenway Park once the season gets going, all those guys that are selling beers in the stands, working all the refreshment stands, all the people that, that, that depend on the ballpark being open to get a paycheck. And we've seen across sports different things starting to happen. Um, now, obviously, it was quicker in the NBA and NHL because those were situations where the season was going. Um, and there's also less question marks. Uh, for instance, maybe there's seven games left and it's easy to decide, right. okay, how much is it going to cost to pay the employees, these part-time employees for seven games? And we can start to build funds for that. Kevin Love was kind of the first guy to come out. Uh, he donated $100,000 in Cleveland for the arena workers there and then other people have come um, behind him to help out in the baseball world Trevor Bauer is doing a lot of stuff George Springer donated a hundred thousand dollars for Minute Maid Park employees Bregman's doing things and I'm sure there's plenty of players that you're never going to hear about that are doing things for these seasonal employees but it is trickier for baseball because you don't know when the season's going to start. And there wasn't a set. There's 162 games. There's 81 home games. And we don't know how many of them are going to be missed, which certainly complicates things. But it doesn't. And 
but it doesn't take away the need for for people, whether it's the organizations or players, to step up. I'll say this, and I'll go to you, Lars, first, because the first thing I thought of when Kevin Love uh, announced he was donating the money and then all these players started to step up was, okay, I get it. These players make millions of dollars. They can afford to help out great. But you know what? The owners make billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. So so when are yeah. they going to come through? Because honestly, at this point, I think it's great the players are doing this. I think it's the responsibility of the owners. Yeah, you're right. It, it is a responsibility, and it's kind of like a icing on the cake to see players doing this. And I, I have to say that I'm, I am, like, being a former player, I'm really proud of the way um, the way athletes have been handling this. You know, I, I feel like they've kind of led the charge and... and and picked up a lot of a lot of slack when it comes to just being decent human beings. Um, you mentioned Kevin Love, um, Zion Williamson donated a, a bunch to the Pelicans workers, and you know, that's a 19-year-old kid kind of like stepping up. And I, I, it's very heartwarming. Steph Curry in the Bay Area doing food stuff for for kids because this thing it, it it touches on so many so many areas of life. You know, a lot a lot of kids go to school and that and they get two meals at school for that. So so kids will not have the food that they normally have who are in unfortunate situations. So like people like Steph Curry are kind of seeing these things and and filling those filling those gaps. But yeah, as of now I'm, I'm I, I too am waiting for the owners. I think the Tigers are the are the only team to kind of publicly say we're gonna do something and um I just don't see how that's not a reality for every organization in some way. Maybe that's coming, and I think you're right. It's it's difficult because it's it it looks to be a long term thing, but it, it for me it's the right thing to do. I don't, I'm and I'm assuming most people feel the same way. And and also I recognize it's not my money, but I would think that there's a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's sort of an easy PR move, right? I mean, if you can, right. especially with the you know there are only a, a handful of spring training games that are wound, that wound up being canceled. I am surprised you haven't seen more teams, you know, if, if just as an example, say Chris Sales, Andrew Bogarts, and J.D. Martinez announced collectively they're going to each donate $25,000 to cover the spring training game day staff salaries or something. You know, I'm just surprised we haven't seen more of those things coming from the baseball side yet because I do think if you started seeing players doing things like that, that would really push ownership to have to step up and do something. Um but I'm also with Lars. It, it shouldn't take something like that. I mean, these guys are making enough money to try to help out and, and, and cover some of these people. Do you think that the, uh, Chad, do you think the league is kind of, and we don't know about it, but talking about doing something collectively for all the franchises rather yeah. than oh, I'm each sure. ownership? I mean, that would make sense as to why we haven't heard anything if, if Manfred's going to make a big announcement that, hey, this is what baseball is doing for these seasonal workers. Right, and that and that word may be getting around. You know, I actually, it's funny, I just had emailed someone in the Red Sox front office to ask about uh, opt-outs. You know, if, if players have opt-outs at the end of spring training, do we have any... You know, do the Red Sox have anybody that they're having to make a decision on right now? And and the the response I got back was just that they're expecting MLB and the Players Association to come to an agreement on how to handle those things pretty soon. So I mean, it's there are so many of these issues that are hanging over everything, and, and you know, it's really only been a few days of dealing with a really unprecedented situation. So I do think that it's kind of it's almost like hour by hour these situations are evolving and changing, and and we're getting more clarity and as they get a chance to sort of deal with different things you know you can understand if their first uh the first issue they had to deal with was just figuring out what in the world to do with these players 
once you do that, now you can start getting into some of these other issues of, you know, whether it is game day staff or some, you know, sort of roster minutia stuff, like how to handle opt-outs that were set at the end of a spring training that just ended out of nowhere. Um, you know, th- these things are going to, it's just going to, I think day by day, we're going to get a little bit more clarity and more things are going to happen. Yeah. So many questions. You That's a great point about opt-outs and little contract things. Eventually we're going to have to think about if it's a shortened season, guys have incentives based on games played and that kind of thing. Service time is going to be a big yeah. thing. Yeah. Lots do, of stuff. Go ahead. Lars. Do, do they, uh, I mean, you guys have been around for a shortened season before with strikes and things like that. How, how have they handled things like that? You know, uh, incentives, yeah. games played, how, how, how has that happened in the past? You know, I actually haven't even looked into it. Um, again, it's, it's a similar deal. Like there are so many of these things like that, that are up in the air that, you know, my, my first reaction of stuff I was studying too, was stuff like, uh, you know, just what's going to happen with the players, where do they go? And then, and then just today is when I, you know, kind of started asking more questions about, you know, roster situations, contract stuff. I don't, I haven't looked back to see how they handled, uh, uh, service time issues and things like that during strike years. I think I saw that that it ha- it is an agreement. The players' association and the the league come to some sort of an agreement on what number counts um, as as far as a full season. But that's something that they obviously have to figure out and negotiate. And I'm sure that's on the back burner for them as well. So the the one thing I did want to get to beyond all of that stuff is just the impact on some of the Red Sox players specifically. Um, and one side of it is obviously you think of guys who are injured and who are now going to, you would think, be fully healthy um, and, and how that impacts guys. Xander Bogarts was battling the nagging stuff. You would think he'll be fine. But the three guys battling more serious things, Chad, Chris Sale with the elbow, mm-hmm. Colin McHugh with the elbow, mm-hmm. and then uh, Alex Verdugo's back. Um, when you think about them, Sale was resting but probably chomping at the bit to want to throw. Now he can really rest. Uh, McHugh had more of a, a set time frame and then Verdugo, you would think this will really help out. So overall, is this a, is this that kind of the, the real slim, slim silver lining as far as players go is these guys that are banged up getting a little healthier? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, it's a, that's the, the everyday right fielder and the guy who's supposed to be the ace of the staff that weren't going to play these, these games anyway. So, um, so no, I mean that, that is, you know, you don't want to, focus on the upside of a pandemic but it for the Red Sox I mean that's just the reality of it it's it is not the worst for them that they're going to likely at least get a higher percentage of their games in which those guys are able to pitch and are able to play um with Sale I think it's a little bit different because he's still I think not a sure thing you know so I would think if you're Sale you'd kind of want to you want to test this thing now see what see what it is and and just know sooner than later you know, if this is a situation that's going to require surgery, but, um, so, but he can still do that on the side, you know, I mean, he can, he can ramp up as he feels necessary. And if it's still giving him problems, then he can deal with it. But, uh, but for Verdugo and McHugh, it's just, this is just free time to, to keep rehabbing and and get closer to being ready by the time the season starts. I mean, that's all, uh, in terms of, of, of just playing time and a chance to get on the field, it's there, there is an upside for those guys. Do you know if those rehab guys are staying in uh, Fort Myers? Like, I, well, Sale lives so close by there anyway that I would think that he can kind of, you know, basically do what he does. Um, 
The other guys, I no, I don't know. And and like I said, the last we knew was on Friday. Even the the Red Sox still weren't sure. Um, you know, they they just didn't have a head count yet of who's going to go where. Um, so I don't know. But and and again, as we kept saying too, it's changed so much. Um, it it just may be a constantly evolving thing. You know, if you're Verdugo, you know, and you need to just get to where you're swinging a bat and and hitting some pitches again. I mean, the early stages of that, you can probably do at home just as easily as you can do at a facility. It, it, he may need to, he may want to get back once he's ready to start facing like real live pitching, but he might be a little ways from that. Right. And then there's the guys who were battling. Um, and you mentioned that the 25th, 26th guys on the roster, Lars, and, and having maybe great springs and now suddenly – um, that stops. You think Su Wei Lin is a guy who's had a 954 OPS going on, was really hitting the ball well. Then you have the guys who are looking for a shot at that fourth and fifth starter position. Um, the momentum, I guess, is stopped. And there's a chance, I guess, that, that the team has to kind of make decisions based on what they've already seen. But Lars, how frustrating do you think it is for a player who who was having, I mean, it's the opposite for a guy who was struggling. Maybe they get to hit the reset button, but you're having a great spring and then suddenly, hey, you just got to stop and, and who knows what the future will hold. Certainly frustrating, but I think I think something that we're all, um, all kind of being forced to look at is just... Um, it's just to have perspective about things, you know, like I think, especially in the sports world, you know, I, I, in the initial days of these leagues being delayed and canceled, there's kind of a, a lot of uproar and groaning. And I think as, as more data and facts have come out and the importance of, of social distancing and staying in smaller groups, I think people begin to understand like, wow, this is, this is bigger than myself or my own, need and desire to go to a concert, go to a baseball game or, and I'm, I'm hoping that players can kind of get there themselves where it's like, you know, this is, yeah, this sucks. You know, this is not ideal. I was, I was raking in spring training and now it's, I'm, I'm back home wherever. And that's really unfortunate, but you know, we are of one species and it's important for us to, to act decisively in this moment. And I think that kind of, um, Take it, it, it trumps it trumps you know continuing playing baseball at this moment and I, and, I, and I hope that guys have that perspective but yeah it definitely it definitely is is too bad for some of those guys. We all use sports as kind of the thing to go to in tough times. It seems like it, you know that's the thing you you reach out to um, to get through things sometimes to get away from it and now that's gone too. So uh, Lars, I know you like to camp and you said you went camping, but but how are you going to kind of spend the time when you're not able to turn the TV on and have a game on there and, and do other things? How are you going to make the most of this? I'm probably going to produce a lot of music and do some DJing. And, um, yeah, like we talked about before. No DJing my, at crowded clubs. No, that's right. Just for myself. I yeah. uh, have, party, <laughs> have parties in my living room. But, you're, yeah, like, like I said before, my life is, is more or less similar. Like the, the school thing is different and I'll turn to online, but... I definitely, I definitely feel more for for people in other other lines of work and with different lives, and um, but I do think this is just something that like we really need to pay attention to right now, and and that will pay dividends in the future. So like I'm, I don't know, I'm I'm just kind of on this trip where I'm trying to to be a good human and be a good neighbor and 
do those things. So it doesn't feel like a huge burden for me. But then again, my, my life is not, I don't have to sacrifice as much as other people do. And I think that's, that's something that is, has become really apparent in this, in this time. You know, I was down in just to kind of echo what, what um, Chad was saying. I was down at spring training before the, before the leagues were delayed and canceled spring training was still going. And it was that kind of like baseball players have this kind of lightheartedness about things and, they were having meetings about COVID-19 and jo- making jokes about muscle soreness and stuff like that, like Chad was saying. And I think things really got serious when, when the NBA said it was, uh, the season was not, not canceled, but delayed. And, um, yeah, it's just things, things seem to change overnight. And I think we're all trying to get used to the new, the new reality. And for you, Chad, I guess it's a lot of phone calls. It's a, yeah, it's a lot of phone calls and also just a lot of um, the, the one way that it is sort of similar to the offseason is just a lot of too just trying to brainstorm ideas. I mean, that's what we've there's been a lot of conversations with other writers at the Athletic just trying to come up with you know what's something we can write that people might be interested in reading, and then you know once you get the idea, then then you know you start trying to reach out, phone calls, emails, texts, whatever, um, just trying to generate something because yeah it's it's rare that you're just at a point where everything has stopped you know even in the off se- the off season is still sort of it's it can be lively and it feels like there's there's always the possibility of something happening when when you've reached this point and it's all just kind of done it's like you know you, you almost don't even know sometimes what questions to ask because everyone's just frozen where they are so it's kind of like what's the <laughs> What do you even ask about you know in two months from now what are you going to be doing you know it, it's it's a it's a it's really awkward. I, I think, though, that the one good thing is everyone's sort of in the same boat now. You know, it, it's not like yeah. uh, it's everyone sort of understands the frustrations that everybody's feeling and the same, uh, you know, kind of unease and uncertainty that's fairly universal. So uh, so I think everybody kind of just does the best you can. And and uh, and then we all, you know, kind of go to the next day and the next day and the next day and you see what all that holds. Just to give people a little look behind the curtain at The Athletic, there's actually a Slack channel right now called Let's Get Weird, where people are just throwing like crazy story ideas and thoughts of things that we can do across sports. And um, there are similar things on the podcasting side. So we are working hard to to keep things interesting here at The Athletic, and we'll keep doing that um, between now and whenever baseball really comes back, both on the written side. And you can check out a lot of free stuff on the written side, too, um, over the next couple of days. So go there. And if you want uh, to save on a subscription to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash wicked pod to save 40% off a subscription to The Athletic. But we're going to keep doing this podcast uh, once a week. We'll bring stuff to you. Uh, we'll, it will not all be about the coronavirus like this episode basically was. We're going to get back into the team. We're going to have some guests. We're going to talk about different stuff. So we'll get you, we'll hopefully give you a, a release from uh, all the news that you're seeing everywhere else and reading about so we'll keep coming with you uh chad and lars thanks so much for coming on for this one yeah my pleasure i didn't have anything else to do (laughs) (laughs) that sums it up we'll talk to everybody again soon